accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. On today's episode of Android's Dungeon. Oh, I'm so hungry. If only there was something good to eat. Oh no, I've eaten too much. I'm full. I just had a gigantic feast. And we're joined by friend of the show, possible enemy of the show following this segment. Stay tuned. Welcome to CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting out of University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario, Canada. I am Jack. I'm Joel. And this is... Harry. Hello. <laughs> yes, Harry. Frenemy uh, of the show. Frenemy of the show. Uh, hopefully he has a good time and hopefully he doesn't uh, do something nasty to us in studio. He's already threatened us once with some sort of <laughs> verbal assault. <laughs> Which Harry, was Harry's one of the few people we actually know that listens to the show. <laughs> so right away he's in our good books. <laughs> you just say one of the few people who listen. <laughs> really, yeah. <laughs> Maybe the only one. I don't know. My, my own mother doesn't listen to the show, so it's, it's, it's fine. I, I could use the, the credit, though. Yeah, I think I told my family about it, and they're like, oh, that's awesome. We're going to listen that's to you cute. all the time. They'd probably listen to one. <laughs> like, oh, I don't understand anything you're talking about. All right. Well, Are you maybe having we fun, need to be more accessible. <laughs> yeah, be more accessible. Up already. Talk, talk about Monopoly, I guess. Although, uh, actually, I could, I could talk a little bit about Monopoly. I'm not going to do that right now, though. Um, Android's Dungeon is a show about games, movies, music. Uh, I guess we've read books. <laughs> Some of us can read. Not me, though. I didn't learn my words or my letters. Um, we like to start off every episode of the show with a very, very simple question. Harry, what have you been playing recently? Um, a lot of Roll for the Galaxy and a lot of Gloomhaven and nothing else. All right. Gloomhaven, we've talked about a little on the show, so let's focus more on Roll for the Galaxy because... Um, I think it's one of these semi-ubiquitous games that people might get mixed up with Race for the Galaxy, which has been around for a long time. And, it's the classic. And it's, it's quite good. It's a little confusing at first, and I think the strategy is still becoming apparent to me as time goes on. But Roll for the Galaxy, describe it for us. So it is a dice-rolling game, which... Uh, Into the trash! For a lot of listeners might... Uh, uh, generate a lot of negative feelings. There's a lot of randomness to do with dice, but you honestly roll so many dice that it's mm-hmm. not a big deal. Uh, simultaneous actions, and you kind of build an empire of cards, uh, similar in a lot of ways to Seven Wonders or a lot of other other games. So explain simultaneous action, because I think most people here are, are accustomed to do your thing, wait for next person to do their thing. Right, which can be really annoying. Oh, absolutely. So roll for the I'm usually the one that does it, so. It's great, because uh, you you secretly, there's a little bit of bluffing, too. You, mm-hmm. you choose one of the five actions that's available in the game, and then all the players reveal simultaneously, and all players take all revealed actions. So 
if you have two players and one of them chooses action one and the other chooses action two, both players choose actions one and two, and they do all of the actions at the same time. There's mm-hmm. no waiting for the other player to take their turn first. And that's what's, I think, so nice about these simultaneous action games where you're not, you're, sit, you're not sitting there scratching your head too much as other people are taking forever on their turns, even though you're, you could still be hamstrung with the initial dice selection process. I'm, the, I think the more you play it, the more obvious Definitely. it is what you're up to. But uh, it, it's, it it's kind of like uh, Joel and I have talked about this a bit before, but being engaged, engagement is such an important factor mm-hmm. in, ra- in rating a game and how good it is. And if you're not engaged, it's like I don't need to be sitting here 100% of the time always in, involved in it, but it helps to actually care. Definitely. And as opposed to, let's say, Catan, for example, which was brought up briefly, ironically, <laughs> before the show started. How much of Catan are you usually sitting around staring into space as two people are fighting over trades yeah. or, or just not doing anything? It's really annoying in games where you don't have simultaneous turns, but you also don't interact with each other on your turns. So yeah. your opponents are going, but you don't care what they do. Absolutely. And in roll, you don't care what they do, but it's fine because you're doing all your actions at the same time. Well, that's it. So you're not you're not affecting your opponents per se. There's no, I don't even think in the card game. I could be wrong. If there's anything that can directly affect the other player, yeah, it's, it's your own world. Uh, but like you're saying, you care what they're doing in a sense, and that, this is where I think the real fun of race or roll comes from, and even race to an extent is anticipating. I see Joel has his entire galaxy set up, and he has produced so many goods this turn. What could he be up to <laughs> come next turn? You know he's going to uh, ship them, or uh, what's the actual term? Is it shipping? Uh, yep, yeah, ship, which is the fifth action. So you don't have to take that, but yep. maybe Joel pulls a fast one and thinks and does the 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 double bluff hey, on you yeah. and sees you doing all this stuff, and he can wait you out. See, yeah. I wanted to ask about this because, well, first of all, Harry's played a, like when he says he's played role for the galaxy. He didn't get it out last weekend, play a game, and then put it away. Harry's the kind of guy. I and did get it out for the people weekend. that don't know. <laughs> for the record, Harry is the kind of guy that when he starts to like a game, he will play. It into the ground. And, then and it reminds it. me of when, and then hate it. <laughs> when you, you went to the cabin and you came back and you said you had played how many games of Scythe? Uh, I don't know, probably 10. 10 games Incredible. of Scythe. Now, so Roll for the Galaxy is very much the same thing. So I wanted to ask you, Harry, about uh, your strategy. I want to ask you, have you ever, like how often are you depending, like how important do you think it is to piggyback on other people where you don't take the action, but you put a bunch of cubes on there and really hope that they do it. And on the opposite, how often do you ever look at your actions and say, hmm, Chelsea or whoever is playing with you might piggyback on me, I'll do something different. So we, we've talked about this a little bit before. So the game has, uh, you can play two to five players, uh, and it kind of depends on the number of players. With, with five players, you don't have to worry about what your opponents are doing at all, since with five with players, five felt a little players, stupid. <laughs> because a little you, random. You take the actions that every player has chosen. So yeah. with five players, like almost all of the actions happen every round. Yeah. So you don't have to care about bluffing or anything. With a fewer number of players, I actually like it a lot more. I think it plays really well with three players um, because there is more bluffing. There's more guessing what your opponents are going to do. Um, you can bluff what you're going to do on your turn, but. You really get screwed if you try and bluff, and then the bluff doesn't pay off. Yeah. So it's got to be one of these things too. Sorry to interrupt you, Joel. Where it's, it it depends on the the level. So you've played. What do you do? You think it's safe to say you have played like twenty games of Roll for the Galaxy? Maybe fifteen. Maybe fifteen. So you're getting up there as far as most people are concerned. And when did you start playing? Uh, probably a week and a half ago. <laughs> Maybe two. <laughs> so. You're on you're on this level up here. You can't see my hands, folks, but it's 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 high. It's, it's, high. <laughs> it's above the microphone. It's about above my eye level. Now, let's say you play against somebody who's 
down here, which is I'm holding it uh, around chest height. This is, it, you're made a strategy of trying to bluff somebody here. I think it, it's one of these things that works when you're playing against people who are on the same level as you because they're thinking what you're thinking, and you get into this real sort of like I don't want to say cold war, but you're, you're both sure. smart enough to know what he put. But when you have somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing, it's like okay, maybe you can read them a bit better. But at the same time, it's like playing poker against someone who doesn't know what they're doing. They're erratic. They're, they're yeah. going to go all in on something crazy, and you it's can't trust them. to predict. Yeah. Bad Bob. Bad Bob, yeah. <laughs> Still got him, though. Um, yeah, I mean, how, how how much do you think it's also comes down to personality? Too? Because I feel like there's some people that you focus on the other people, right? <laughs> You're making you laugh because... I'm just thinking, of like, are you are you trying to anticipate, like, the who, who's the friend that never brings anything? <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that guy. He's just going to piggyback on everything. <laughs> or he's the guy that will, like, oh... Looks like Harry would really like it if I ship this turn. Oh, the I'm spiteful. Go exploring. Yeah, I see. Interesting. That's definitely true. I, I think it's actually partly to do with the strategy. You know, there's multiple strategies you can take to win the game, and mm-hmm. some strategies are, are really vulnerable to disruption. Disruption, or, or you know, if, the way you can kind of bluff your own action is you you take an action that you there's an, one of the five actions you really want to take. But you don't take it because you think somebody else will do it. Yeah. And some strategies are way more vulnerable to the others, particularly and production. You, you talked about that a bit, uh, how there's basically two paths to victory. And you can't really do both as far as you can tell. Because basically there's uh, there's the rush strategy, which is like fill out your tableau as quickly as possible. Yeah, we kind of skipped over one, that just quickly. You, it's, yeah. you need to – first person, is it 12 or is it 10? Yeah. 12 tiles. 12 tiles in front of you, including the two you start with. So it's really, let's just call it 10. Um, the first person to 10 ends the game. Uh, everyone gets to finish their turn, I guess. But then it's over. So if you're sitting there trying to t- gearing up your engine, getting your Ferrari ready to go, but they've already finished the race a long ago on their bike, then great. Good for they've you. They've got the galaxy. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely pretty much two strategies, fast and slow. Hmm. And they're pretty well balanced. I mean, the, the number 12 is is kind of balanced so that both strategies are viable. But yeah, it's it's hard to find a middle ground. I thought sure. it was really interesting how you were talking about how it's hard to do one strategy if somebody else isn't doing it as well. Right. I mean, that that's totally based on the actions, right? If you are, two of the actions are produce and ship, and, and they lead towards the slow strategy. And if someone else is doing the produce and ship strategy, then you can rely on the other person to choose one of the actions, uh, which is kind of helpful. But if, Do you guys ever wink like... Oh, yeah. Totally. In a three-player game, there's a great dynamic where the two players who aren't winning will just totally collude on actions that they're going to take. Well, to be fair, and this is something that a lot of people don't like this, and I think I I understand why, because if you're winning, nothing hurts more than suddenly people ganging up on you. But a lot of games have this built into it, and I think this is an underrated aspect of a game because the, the games get criticized the other way when there's no way to stop the runaway leader versus... I, I like mechanics that allow people to, let's say, Cyclades or Comet or even Ennis, for example. It rewards you. These are all area control games at Curiosity, but other games, they reward you to, maybe I should stop stabbing my friend and my friend should stop stabbing me and this other guy who's, like, stabbing us under the table and I'll turn around and look at Joel who's hey. quietly putting down another, like, winning condition. Like and, another philosopher. Like maybe. another philosopher. And let's all, like... Okay, gentlemen, let's put aside our differences for a moment and then stab, 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 stroll, and then we all go back to stabbing each other. It's uh, it, it's a good way to do it. It just, you don't want it, it just doesn't feel nice when you're the, especially when somebody turns around for a second and says, hey, Jack's winning, and then everyone's yeah, for like, sure. Yeah. 
There's definitely a limit, like uh, if you ever played Mario Kart, you know, classic yeah. like blue shell to hit yeah. person first. Or if it's played, unfair. If you played Munchkin, yeah. Munchkin has way too much interaction <laughs> where the person no. who has the most points just always gets ruined, yeah. crushed. Yeah. Uh, so, but they're definitely the nice thing about that in multiplayer multiplayer games is that it's kind of self balancing. Yeah. You know. And well, it's a quick enough game that you, you can't really turn it around. And that gets into something else, too. It's like about what's the time investment on here. Roll for Galaxy, what do you think, 30 minutes, 40 minutes? Yeah, 45 maybe. Depending on player minutes. count, of it, course. It depends on the strategies that you're – if all the players are going for a slow strategy, it takes longer. But it's quick. Yeah, but we're not talking about like a three-hour epic adventure here. Well, that's in comparison to the original. What was the original, do you think? Has quick. anybody actually played it? Oh, yeah. Pretty pretty quick as all. Yeah. Half yeah. an hour, maybe? If that and if people know what they're doing, it's just you're going quickly. It's fiddly. That's the only thing I think it would slow mm-hmm. down. It's like I'm producing here and doing yeah whatever. Did you guys know that in 2017 there was a third in the Race for the Galaxy trilogy? Oh really? I know that it came out on digital. Uh, wait, wait, what do you mean? Like an expansion or? There's a game called Jump Drive. Oh no, I don't know anything oh, about I this. I've heard about Jump Drive. Not the best ratings, but it's basically a sequel to Roll for the Galaxy, if you want to call it that. And so it's it goes nice. back to a card game. Okay. Interesting. Mm, it's kind check of it out. a much simpler card game with, with just cards, no other components. Weight 1.88 out of 5. So, so very, pretty light. Very light game. Compared to, well, I don't Play know. Playtime 10 to 30 minutes. Perfect. <clears throat> For what you're getting into, because we were having this conversation with uh, some people at uh, uh, the pub the other night where this one fellow was talking about this game he was playing called Killer Bunnies. I haven't played it yet. Joel has played it. He can talk about this. But he was describing this game to me, which sounded hellish. And I I haven't played it yet, so I'm not going to take too big of a dump on it. But everything he was describing just sounded like something I should never, ever touch because there's no way I'm walking away from it unless I'm loaded trying to really (laughs) giving it my the college try. But how long did you say it lasted? Two and a half hours? It's 100% a novelty game. Yeah. Like, it's one of these, oh, look how cute these bunnies are, but now they're killing each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it depends because, you know, it was a learning game, but I'd say at least two hours. And I think his complaint was, uh, and he said it did go long, and in his defense he wasn't defending the length, but he had a friend who did the worst thing possible when introducing a new game to people is let's grab every expansion. This game has like eight of them and throw <laughs> them all together at once because let's give this person really, who knows nothing about this game, all the flavor that people have added over the years. Got to get the full uh, experience. We played Scythe over the weekend, and we deliberately omitted the newest expansion yeah. because there was a new player. I think it's tough, like, the wind gamut is just weird enough that I think it would throw, it's a too much, it's just one extra layer yeah. that's going to confuse somebody, especially because the airships I don't think are. It's like, you can do this and this and this and this, or you can take these ships and yeah. move them, and this game, they do this exact thing. Oh, and by the way, the game ends when this happens this time, <laughs> and that pushes you away from over there, and you score this instead. And yeah. Did you play with the alternate wind conditions, by the way? No. No. Okay. Yeah, once you add too many options. Vanilla. Yeah. Quite difficult. It was a good game, though. I gotta say, I am terrible at big games. Don't know what it is, but when we we get above four players in Scythe, I have no idea what I'm doing, and I always get trapped. You notice I got trapped again. You got trapped again in my yeah. island, but I, I I worked it out this time nicely because the guy that trapped me put himself down to one power. So <laughs> just that's it. The power. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think. I'm not trying to say I'm I'm the master of Scythe, but I think one of the other things of it, too, is really looking at your power so you don't drop yourself so low in an attack that somebody just effortlessly swoops in on you when you've got one and just gets another easy star or two and, like, or cues up a couple of quick attack moves. And, oh, look, we're talking about Scythe again. It's, uh, <laughs> it wouldn't be an episode without a little chat about Scythe. All right, so roll for the galaxy. Now, you've played a bunch of times. What would you give it out of, um, uh, of, out of 100 cubes floating around the universe? Out of 100 cubes? Yeah. 
I would probably give it a 89 cubes. 89 Ooh. cubes. Yeah, 89 cubes. It's an endorsement, ladies Honestly, and gentlemen. Honestly, it's, it's hard to find light, relatively light, quick games. With a bit of meat to it, too. With, with a bit of meat. There's still strategy. Yeah. It's a weekday night game. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I don't necessarily want to play Scythe every weekday night. No. You know, it's a long game. You know, these kind of two-hour games that are really complex, a lot of thinking. Yeah. You get home from work, you don't want to play them. But Rule for the Galaxy, it's quick. You can play it. Get home, play it before dinner. Uh, Easy so to set it up. It fills a really down. nice niche in my... my growing board game library <laughs> I, i'm gonna quickly say that harry first played at my place or at least played half of it <laughs> yeah yeah he at least introduced him to it i, I gave him a taste um <laughs> and then harry gave me the rest of the taste later so it's funny jack uh usually during the summer we have a tough time uh coming up with a game that we've played because we've been we're you know we're getting outside now it's the opposite now it's yeah. hard to come up with a game just pick one um which game that yeah. you've been playing lately have you been playing lately yeah. so uh, i asked that to you what do you say um, I feel like I've been kind of bouncing. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna say Keyflower because I was at nice. my uh, my girlfriend's place or parents' place on the weekend. Uh, Kayla Campbell, uh, friend of the show, occasional <laughs> listener, <laughs> and uh, we. I played. I was telling Joel. I, I played more games in that one probably Saturday that one day than I have in probably like if you took three weeks combined and just dumped Jeez. them together. Um, just marathon. I played Ticket to Ride. Um. And uh, Las Vegas, we played three games of, well, I guess one full game of Vegas. And then the next day, we played um, two games of Keyflower right off the bat. And then we played uh, three games of Pandemic until we finally won. And then played six games of Crokinole. It was just wild, just flying, wow. flying, flying. But anyway, I'll, say, I'll pick Keyflower. Have you played it, Harry? <clears throat> nope. Joel's played it. Oh, yeah. Keyflower is this adorable little game that has been described by some as a knife fight in a phone booth as far as meanness <laughs> goes because it's this, it's this charming aesthetic of um, imagine this um, idealized sort of new world where everyone's made out of meeples <laughs> and there's these ships coming in that are supposed to be the, the, uh, the Mayflower except they call them Keeple or Keyflower in this case. So the joke or the way the game works is everyone starts with a village tile and you set up the and everything's out of hexes so already I'm 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 attracted I love hexes and they, there's hexes that come up in the front and you bid on them and everyone starts with eight random colored meeples and there's red blue and yellow what happens is you look at them and you go hmm yes I see I want this tile so you choose any number of one color of meeple and you put it on your side of the tile and that's your bid somebody else now if they want to bid that tile away from you they have to bid the same color of meeple but go up in color so let's say Joel comes along and says, oh, I want that tile too. So he puts four blue meeples on this one. Ah. I haven't lost mine. I, have to, I can move them away to another tile, and I can even subsidize them with more. And you have this very vicious bidding system where the first person to put down a, a meeple is the one kind of, uh, they are the captain now. And depending, and you're trying to eyeball them because there's boats up there that have more meeples depending on the players coming in. And you're looking at Joel, which boat he takes next round. Oh man, there's a lot of yellow meeples on that boat, so maybe I shouldn't get into a yellow meeple fight with Joel on these hexes. But then at the end of the round, you put the hexes on your village, and you're using the hexes to generate goods, and you turn those goods into victory points, and you're flipping over tiles and upgrading them, moving them all over the place. And it's there's so much contained in this little game. And so much strategy at the end of the day because you're fighting with other people and you're, there's this resource and worker placement aspect on top of it. And it, it's absolutely a charming game. Yeah, and uh, and those meeples that you bid with, they're uh, gone. if baby. you win the bid, you lose them. If you lose the bid, you get them back. And yeah. then it becomes a worker placement on your own tiles. But if you're super desperate and, and uh, Jack over here got the tile that I really wanted... 
I can use my meeple on his village and mm-hmm. use his action, but then he gets my meeple. And then it doesn't stop me from using it, but then you're controlling the color. So it's the same thing. Joel puts a yellow meeple on my tile that I want to use. Uh-oh, Jack was a dummy, and he used up all his yellow meeples bidding on stuff. Now I can't use the tile I want to use because Joel anticipated me using it. it oh, it's something one of else. The, be- the best things uh, that we haven't mentioned yet is that there are three colors in the bag, but there's a fourth color. It's not in the bag. It's green meeple. <laughs> and you can get that meeple. And then when you place on a tile, no one else has green. And you win that tile no With matter what. With one meeple. Unless and they got else green, gets a green one. And then, ah! <laughs> so you, it just starts an arm race. Exactly. The green meeple arms race. But anyone can get that. So anyone who gets that tile can use that tile, theoretically. So it's, it's this wonderful balancing act because, act because you're trying to average out. I want these tiles. I don't want to overpay for them. And I need to use my own tiles in my own village or maybe Joel's or Harry's or so on. So. Would you give it a rating out of 100 meeples? Out of 100 meeples, I think it's a, it's an easy uh, 85 meeples out of 100 marching towards villages never to be seen again. Honestly, it's like one of the best games I never play. Yep. That's quite excellent considering you played four other terrible games. <laughs> <laughs> you don't like Vegas? <laughs> Actually, Vegas is quite And I forgot Pirate Tunes as well. We didn't uh, – I forgot to mention that one as well. But uh, you, you hate Pandemic? Oh, I hate Pandemic. I'll admit it's like it's definitely aged a little, little poorly by a I lot. Think it's of... just superseded by Pandemic Legacy. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I don't disagree. I, I'd much rather play Pandemic Legacy before. It was a gift to Kayla's brother for Christmas, and I think as far as like casual, casual players, it's fine. It's like a co-op game, and for somebody who doesn't play games a lot, it's like, oh, you got some friends over. Like, oh, you want to play this one? It's really cool. It's about curing diseases all around the world. It's like, oh, okay. Fine. I'm gonna make a list and see if you disagree with me. Okay, yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna point out the originals, uh, at least the original best knowns. Okay, for each um, genre or the main genre, for deck builders, it's got to be Dominion. Yep. For worker placements, Agricola. Don't think too hard about it. Agricola yes. is pretty recent, I guess. Yeah. For resource management, Catan. Sure. And for co-ops it's gotta be pandemic yeah absolutely i can't can you think of another co-op from that you knew before is that it's it's one of the grandfathers of co-ops there's been a lot of better co-ops isn't there uh there's an arthurian themed co-op game shadows of camelot yeah it's i i don't know i'd have to look at the times when they came out but i agree there's that but nobody plays it because shadows of camelot a it's true is super expensive comparatively for a Days of Wonder game, which is, they aren't cheap to begin with, but it's already, it's very expensive. Bruno Cathala designed it, which is already I love the guy, big fan, <laughs> but the game stinks. It's not a good game. It's actually been solved mathematically, mm. uh, so you can actually, if you know what you're doing, you can just figure it out. It's the traitor is obvious because there's no reason to hide being the traitor in the game. So you just you just start <laughs> tanking immediately. It's like you get your cards like all right, <laughs> time to screw up. So it's a shame. I'm surprised I haven't done like a. Uh, Shadows of Camelot 2.0, but it's been superseded by so many other trader games at this point. It's like, would you rather play this two-hour game, or do you want to play Resistance? Dark so, Moon. Dark Moon, Battlestar Galactica. Great so. game. So you ever jo- played Dark Moon? Which, oh, astounding. Never. Astounding Fantastic considering game. Joel's love of it. And he, you, I used to bring it around everywhere, and yeah, I would really. this, this like puppy dog look <laughs> in your <laughs> eye, like, <laughs> what, what, what do you guys want to do today? Get that out of here, Joel. Joel. <laughs> I don't. I I don't hate Dark Moon. It's not my favorite, but I enjoy it. It's fun. Again, it's it's. I think Dark Moon really lives and dies on the audience. And like the people, when people yeah. are having a great time, and you're throwing around wild accusations, like, "No, Harry's infected. No, Joel's infected. No, Jack's infected." Because you throw no wild infection accusations. That's what the real. Well, anyway. Yeah. Okay. So, Joel, what have you been playing recently? 
Oh, a little of this, a little of that. Uh, I, I've been in on uh, a lot of these games you're talking about, mm-hmm. but um, I think I want to go back to Gloomhaven. Okay. I know that we're talking about a lot lately, but it's, it's so hot right Let's now, and I just want to talk about just the general environment that's happening. Okay, because I was going to say, you got you cannot walk away without so, addressing the, the hype and the... Yeah, we probably should mention that you've probably been talking about Gloomhaven quite a bit on the show, but uh, Friday, this this past Friday, which was the... I think 19th of January was the first day that it actually went on sale for public release. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's been sold and, out. And Harry had a very interesting experience, which is uh, so I, I'm not going to tell it for you because you were there yourself. So <laughs> Harry went to, uh, Harry has, re- first of all, let's back up a second. In November, three months ago, Harry reserved a copy of Gloomhaven uh, once it comes out for purchase. Jack has been lucky enough to have it already because he supported the Kickstarter. Good for him. We've been playing it, having a great time, and been insanely jealous the entire time. Um, but he's been very generous and let us play with him. <laughs> my, my infinite mercy. The day comes. Very exciting. The game is out. Harry is going from work. He's going to go pick it up. And there are tons of copies. He buys it and buys enough for his friends, and he leaves, and everyone uh, has a good time. Uh, Everybody no? at work. Four people, three other people, including yeah. himself, ask him to buy a copy of this $120 I mean, dollar before tax game. Is but that it's what funny, it, it's, the price is? Sorry to interrupt Yeah, it'd be $120-ish. Um, it's funny because it, it's a really popular game, but it's a legacy game, and it's a game that you would play with your friends. But I think it's been so popular that every person wants to buy a copy, even though they it, know they're going to It might be a mistake, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I went to the game store with so the intent in. to buy four copies, yeah. and I walk in, and, and I, I, uh, I, my name is on the, the list and everything, and, and they say, well, here's one copy. <laughs> we're very sorry to inform you that as of this time, we're not allowing customers to buy more than one copy. Now, I got to ask, do you think it's because someone like you, except for the mustache, came in earlier and was like, give me eight copies of Gloom, <laughs> yeah. and then he's outside the store? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Honestly, so I've heard that they're retailing online. Look at the price. Yeah, like online. I'm going to look it up. Give me online. a second. Oh, you can keep talking. You know, that's fine. Um, which is crazy to me. You know, I think I've heard and, you know, I got confirmation from J&J is that there weren't going to be supply issues for this game. But I think that partly because the release date was delayed, um, the hype around this game has built incredibly. Yeah. Um, and that's the that's the real story here. Yeah, is the hype for Gloomhaven, $120 heavy game. Yeah. It's not accessible by it, any means. <laughs> it's accessible for somebody that knows what they're doing. No, no, I wasn't taking a look issue. at the rule book. Yeah, yeah, it, it's a great rule book. One of the, the greatest rule books. I think, I've believe me, Harry, of, I've of seen all of time. all time. I should, I should <laughs> note, Roll for the Galaxy, a game we were talking about earlier. Terrible rule book. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh my it's god! The worst I've ever seen. You just might as well just guess how the game goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's intuitive, but it's like one of these rule books where it's like gives you gives you maybe sixty percent of what you should know, and then it confuses you with the last forty percent. Just gives you symbols for the, for the remaining forty percent. Which was always a big complaint with uh, Race for the Galaxy Two, and the symbols were as fairly esoteric. But let's go back to Gloomhaven for a second. So, on Amazon.com.ca, excuse me, you can buy a copy for one hundred fifty dollars from a place called Impressions. I've never heard of this place before. But if you go to the marketplace, there are people trying to sell for three hundred dollars plus shipping, $15. Yeah. Uh, then there's a $150 one plus $206 shipping. So you can see the scam they're running there. Oh. And then $359 plus $51 That's shipping. That's the thing. No one's doing free shipping, and they say it's because it's heavy, but the, it's a $120 game. 
It, it is a heavy and game. And that's a it's cheap a 22 price. Pound that's a game. J&J's prices. So the, game, the game comes in a large cardboard box. Yeah. And then, and oh, then it the came actual, in the box. It and came in the box. And then the actual game itself is packaged within it. Oh, interesting. Box so that's so it came exactly as I probably got from Kickstarter then. In the yeah, probably. I think that's just how they're shipping them. And then huh. Well, they didn't have time to open it. And put it on oh, of course shelf. not. Yeah, put them. No, no. I like that. I prefer it to be sealed. Make sure sticky chocolate fingers didn't go all over it. I've heard that there, uh, there's another shipment coming out from distributors in Canada in, in a week or so. Mm-hmm. so. And that's the thing is that I think, like, we'll, I'll talk about my friend Josh. He friend wasn't of the show, Josh li- He wasn't lucky enough. Yeah, he's been on the show, actually. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't lucky enough to be one of the people that found out from Harry that he couldn't get a copy and then call in and get on the reservation because they still had some in. And he was so upset... Uh, with himself for not calling because he delayed for a while that he very nearly paid uh, the boardroom $160 for their copy. Which is fine if you want if you want to support local business and pay mm-hmm. a, a markup of uh, convenience, I suppose. But it it that we're just highlighting here the 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 hype, so the, the, right the buzz around this game here. So what's going to happen now? So Harry's got a copy. He wants to play with his girlfriend, yeah. but now he's. Uh, spread the word a little too yeah. much and other people want to join in on the campaign. I mean, the game's just so exciting. I have no option but to tell people about it. And then they want to play and I feel bad if I play without them. So Jack's got his copy. We've got to wrap things up because we're going to go play it right now. Yeah, it's like, all right, actually, I'm just going to end the show half an hour early so we can go <laughs> yeah. play. And then uh, Josh um, took his lunch out to uh, J&J's today, picked up our copy. If you want to call it our copy, it's his copy. Yeah. Uh, you know, we could play with him every night or we could play um, wait till Gabe's around. Well, at least Josh can leave. The thing is, I've got cats and I can't leave things like this set mm-hmm. up. I would I would have Feast for Odin set up constantly if I could. But the cats, like, they, they, they see things that move nicely and it's just Godzilla attacking Tokyo. It's gone, baby. And Gloomhaven is... Not as bad. Like, you could, I guess, set up the mask, but it's so modular. It's not like it's, like, Agricola or Feast Road or something where you just, like, a static board. you got to change things up all the time. So it's really not a big deal once you've got the organization set up or it's down where you got your tackle boxes and you just set up things. It's still, it still takes That's time. That's the other thing. I'm going to ask both of you because you 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 have an adorable uh setup that chelsea's made for you and you've got oh, no. your organization going on oh no can what did this you do? box be played can this can gloomhaven be played out of the box absolutely no way no i don't know you, you need it's to a, be more specific can you have fun <laughs> can you put everything back in the box when you're done this is what i'm asking uh i mean we had to make uh, my girlfriend and I sat down. We, we, I bought it on a Friday, yeah. Friday night evening. We sat down and we spent an hour and a half making organizers out of old like uh, tea boxes like and Christmas like beer box. boxes, and just like making them out of cardboard and tape. And honestly, amazing. If you go online, you can buy organizers. Broken Token makes seventy nine dollars, sixty nine dollars, and sold out. Yeah, of course, half the price of the game again yeah. at least. But. I haven't used the broken token broken token organizer. Everyone that has purchased it and set it up, they say it is night and day. It just makes things so yeah, quick. But, yeah. but the thing is that you buy a tackle box, a couple of tackle boxes. It's the same bloody thing. You don't necessarily store the map pieces in there, but the accordion folder I'm using, I'm perfectly happy with. And I just need to, I've got another tackle box. I don't know why I haven't used it to just finally get all the stuff out of some of these plastic baggies that are just ugly and kind of annoying to shuffle through and just mm. the cards will fit nicely inside of these things too so 
I think your setup is absolutely adorable, though. I love this. This I haven't seen it, but yeah, the description is, so is sounds very quaint. I've run into a little bit of difficulty with it because Chelsea did the organization oh, no. for the monster standees, and I can't pull monster standees out of the box. I, Are I they have, too tight? Oh, no. no. They're just in there, and I have no idea how they're organized, so I just can't play without her now. <laughs> <laughs> She's I, I, got you. I need her to organize these monsters. Like I can't do it. I don't understand. Wait, are you talking about like the the little mo- the cardboard monsters? The little right? cardboard monsters. She yeah. has them grouped by like background color. Interesting. You guys get in a big fight. It's like I would leave you, but I wouldn't be able to play Grim Haven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're enjoying it a lot. Obviously, I would never play with her. So she, she loves it. How many games have you played then? Uh, we played three sessions uh-huh. at home with some friends, uh, and we're actually going to bring the box over. Speaking of transporting, we're. we're bringing over the box and all of the additional boxes that we've made to our friend's house to set it up in his basement on a table where we don't have to tear it down. Wow. I mean, it's a board game, but it's a lot more similar to like Dungeons Are you Dragons. leaving it there? And we're just going to leave it there. Whoa! Your baby! I'm 100% doing that at, uh, at Josh's. Well, you can do that, Josh's, no problem. Yeah. Well, sort of. Where are you going to do it? Uh, probably the basement. Oh, good point. I keep yeah. forgetting there's the basement. There's like five unused rooms, at least. Speaking of which, uh, nice. something not completely unrelated to games, <laughs> uh, but will have an impact on what games we play. Uh-huh. Uh, the duo is soon to be a trio. As of Sunday, Mark Smith is moving in. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like the odd Exciting trio. <laughs> Uh, it's going to be good for Gloomhaven. <laughs> it's, oh, I bet. Yep. I, you've played a lot of two-player Gloomhaven. I don't think I've done two-player Gloomhaven yet. I've done three-player, I think. Three seems awesome. Three, three seems three, like I the sweet the spot. Ideal, yeah. but not that four is a problem either. But I think two-players is not enough interplay between the characters. But with three, with three players, you have interplay, and there's a variety of characters. I mean, each of the characters are different, but it's still quick. Do you think it's viable, though? Can you take any two character combinations and just go to town? Or is it very set? Like, you need to have Mr. Rockman and you need to have a healer? or Maybe we don't know enough yet. I think you have to be a little more conscious with two players. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's definitely viable. But with three players, it's hard to miss anything, mm-hmm. for sure. Jack, also, by the way, uh, we took a closer look at what we were talking about with the uh, spell caster. And just for the people that don't know, their spell caster has a card that lets you take all your lost cards back which seemed way too good mm-hmm. and turns out it was <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, they have a special symbol on certain cards oh, which are you can take those ones unretrievable oh, okay so there's like st- it's like exiling versus mm-hmm. throwing something in the graveyard or yeah exactly yeah you, some you, magic you lose these cards and you can't get them back they specifically have a card where you can get them back, yeah. but you can't get that card back, <laughs> yeah. which is important. Which makes it, because, yeah, because like, like I was saying, it's just, okay, I get them back, and this I mean, back. it's funny because it is just another interpretation of the discard and lost. Yeah. It's just that they have a fourth zone it's very lost. extra lost. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess because we've never played, have we played with that character? Did you? Well, no, we don't play with a spell we, we never have, but we worked out that combined with the tinkers get a lost card back if that wasn't a thing they could have played 29 cards yeah. which is just way too good which is which is way above normal i mean the the length that you can fight or the duration that you can fight is determined by the number of cards you have and the mm-hmm. small weaver has the least cards but the ability to get back lost cards means that they potentially have the most cards, which is pretty fun. Or there is it, can they only and use it on themselves or do they can they use they it on can only use it on themselves. Oh, okay, I was going to say like Although you use that one thing, the Tinkerer. The that... Tinkerer can give all discarded cards back so you don't have to lose one. And then there's one, take one lost card. Whereas the Spellweaver has take all my lost cards. Mm-hmm. And also it's like a level five or six where you get to take two lost cards. 
And that was just for the Spellweaver, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought when we played that one time with the, the Tinker and you just gave me my discard back, that was wild. That was a lot of fun. And that's I think that's a really neat thing to do for somebody who's just, maybe not the Rogue necessarily, but someone like the Rockman, just like, oh, I'm just going to chuck a couple more boulders at something, or I'm going to bounce all over the place more. But it's fun. It's just, I think Gloomhaven is what makes it very special, at least for me, in that it it's doesn't feel, it can, it's difficult, but it's not crushing most of the time, unless you just get unless screwed. Unless you're playing the Rockman. Unless you're playing the Rockman. <laughs> Crushing. And uh, it it's just it hits that sweet spot where sometimes it really, like a good D&D campaign where it feels like when things go right, they go right. And it, it's you're just, you're just flying around, you're just smushing things, you're getting treasure, you're having a ball, and occasionally you just flip over that cancel your attack, and then everything just collapses around <laughs> you, and you're done. So where we stand now, I would probably give Gloomhaven maybe 14 traps out of 15. 14, 14 out of trap monster kills. Trap mon- some these bear traps, traps are always all over the map, and they, you know, they're, they're designed to make the map more difficult. No, it's they just, just sometimes the traps are like there. blocking your, do- your doorways or something. But it's like, oh, what an opportunity, and push monster into that and kill it. And I think that's the problem is that in, if, if you had the dynamic sort of map of sort where you where you set things up but then it's like if you if if a player enters this hex flip to this page then it would be possible that it's like okay but then you're still meeting it's like okay guys just heads up there's going to be a flip to a page if you step on this mm. hex so. we're also talking about missing yeah. yeah we're also talking about maybe hiding the monster's abilities what the monsters are doing on that turn hiding their initiative and hiding their total health and remaining health because all of a sudden, you're running into like a true D and D campaign where the DM is like hiding everything, yeah. and you're swinging at it, and then maybe it's more exciting when you actually kill it, and you're not just like, "Oh, I rolled three. Yep, I got it." I can see that. I think we're starting harder. to we're starting to obfuscate some things, and I think it would be worth experimenting. But I feel like there's it's again, it's in the middle. You're not mathing out every move possibly, but you want to try to you don't want to be sitting there thinking oh i've got so i'm trying to think about it so that cuz you you look at the monster and you kind of if you're the dm you say oh the the skeleton's bones are falling apart or something and then you can say okay it looks like he's about to die here i'm feeling pretty good yeah. about this versus like oh um what does he look like i don't know <laughs> okay <laughs> it's just going to hit him with a critical yeah, i mean d still has the the regular and bloodied you know, mm. half yeah. health kind of versions there's, there's just a couple things though like uh, when a monster is gonna heal instead of hit we don't have to worry about it when a monster has retaliate on that round we want to avoid hitting it Yeah, and we know those things already so we we work around it right which obviously the game is all about finding strategy but it's it's that I know, I know of, exactly what you're saying yeah. and I think that's if there's any major criticism of the Gloomhaven aside from the mechanics it's like the meta game of what's secret what isn't what should a player know what shouldn't they and I think for all for all intents and purposes it's got to be everything or nothing yeah. and I don't know there's a way around it beyond there is like you can download the I forget what they call them, like the the evolving PDFs or something. So it's not spoiled the the scenario. So you can look at it and set things up, and you won't know until you go into the room. So it's like, oh, okay, now I put these things in here. But from a setup perspective, that's annoying because then it's like, okay, <laughs> hold on, guys, take ten minutes while I go fishing for some. What do you guys here. think of somebody running the game, like somebody that's not a character? I think it'd be pretty boring, honestly. Yeah, you had an alright time though. The one time you did it, didn't you? Yeah, it's fine, but it that's went pretty quickly. <laughs> 
Yeah, I yeah. don't know. I think that's one of the big appeals of Gloomhaven is that no one has to run the game. Yeah, that's true. You know, it, it's pretty relieving to just be able to all play players, and then the, the programs are or the monsters are programmed. Yeah. There's a lot of other similar games like Imperial Assault where mm. the player still has to play the monsters. Yeah. And, and I think that's the biggest impediment towards playing it. Well, not you don't want to always play the monster. Maybe there's always some guy who always wants to play a monster, and you're sick of it because you don't like him laughing gleefully as he <laughs> yeah. criticals you. Yeah. On that note, we're going to take a quick uh, musical break, and we'll be back with a discussion of Feast or Famine. Stay tuned.
Back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was Love and Rockets. Um, which song was it again? Could Be My Sunshine. I forgot what it was called. Uh, band, very interesting band. Started as a uh, offshoot of Bauhaus, the gothiest band in the world, depending on who you talk to. <laughs> the the gothy anthem, Bella Lugosi's Dead. Love and Rockets, a little, little rockier. It's kind of the rock cousin to New Order's dance, uh, offshoot of Joy Division. No? Looking at some blank faces here. That's all right. I've never heard of any of those words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too young for this. <laughs> it's yeah, oh, right. Shit. So uh, we were just having actually a spirited conversation with Gloomhaven during the break even. <laughs> yeah. So that just goes to show. It but stops. Harry mentioned that he picked up the, uh, before we get into the feast and famine subject, uh, Harry picked up the re- rechargeable stickers or removable stickers removable for Gloomhaven. Stickers, and so. he was about to explain to Joel how they work. So, I mean, it's, it's Gloomhaven is nominally a legacy game where you have to tear up cards and you add stickers to the uh, map. But you don't you can choose not to tear up cards and, and there is a, an officially licensed you know third party product of removable stickers where the base game comes with stickers that if you would try to remove them would tear the removable <laughs> stickers are essentially just higher quality stickers you you can peel them off the map afterwards mm-hmm. and add them back to the book cool um and Which, that's why you you're planning on playing through Gloomhaven and then starting. I mean, realistically, from the like again? Gloomhaven has like a hundred scenarios. There's no way I'm going to play through Gloomhaven twice. But but I could. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you thought that when you started Witcher Three. I'm going to play this game and then I'm going to play a different game. And how many times have you played Witcher Three? Four. You. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, you know how the uh, was it Project CD Red has been hinting Four about this. <laughs> Jack is just losing his mind over there. Uh, this uh, what is what do they call it? Uh, New Age Steampunk game. It's Cyberpunk twenty seven seven. Now, oh, now Siri, yeah. when she, not spoilers, but she goes away. She disappears for six months to with this elf, and she says. These people had metals in their heads, and they oh. flew around yeah, they were on like ships that flew metal birds went through the air. Yeah. yeah, she's totally talking about teleporting herself to their totally. game that they're developing. Oh, don't even talk about totally. Cyberpunk. I that's the I, I like CD Projekt Red for everything they've done. They are they are legit good guys in the term world of gaming. Although some people, I think we've said before, have this insane hate on for them because of the not untrue Witcher Three downgrade. Because in the early pictures, the game looked spectacular. Absolutely. Spectacular. Still looks good. Don't get me wrong, but there is a marked difference between finished product and um, 
pre-release product, which a lot of people blame consoles for because it's like a nothing... It dragged it down? Nothing Sony and Microsoft people hate more than seeing, turning their heads and seeing glorious PC Master Race types, like their hair glowing and, <laughs> and floating around as they're playing everything in 4K with glorious reflections and everything, but anyway. It's funny because the, the Witcher 3, I think, got a lot of hate for that, but that, that's the status quo now. It's Yeah, Dark Souls 2 did it, yeah. famously. The game's not good, though, so whatever. Have you played the Dark Souls board game? No. It's funny you bring that up because it's come up as an example of overhyped Kickstarters. I haven't played it yet. Some people are 50-50 on it. Like, some people don't mind it. It's just... Have you played it? I have played it once. What do you think it? Of feels it feels very Dark Souls. In... Um, in that, I think it's complex. Also, it, it, it tends to be high risk. If you and take a hit from patterns, Monster right? or you take yeah. two hits from Monster, you're, you're dead. dead. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of about learning patterns. I mean, the problem I have is that there is some element of randomness in the game. And when you have an element of randomness in a game where you die in one or two hits, then... Well, I've heard what it, most people recommend be... is just ditching the whole live system or, like, the sp- embers or something and just, like, just ignore that. Just you get as many tries as you want to just go through and figure things out and hope for the best as opposed to... Hmm. Like, did, does, doesn't it put a time limit of sorts on you, Harry, or...? Um, I mean, you have a limited number of times that you can die, yeah. which which is an odd system, especially because your Souls, abilities you are more powerful. I mean, your the lives you have are, yeah. are called embers, and your yeah. abilities are more powerful the more embers you have. Oh, there so it is. the more times you die, the also the weaker you get, which is oh, makes it punishing. more difficult. Yeah. Which is more of a Dark Souls one mechanic or Demon Souls mechanic, because none of the other games, like uh, Demon Souls, you had world tendency, which was extremely. Did you ever play it? No. So as you as you died more and more in a world, your tendency got darker and darker in that world, and the monsters got stronger. And as you die more, your health gets less and less and less. So the game gets more difficult. Dark Souls Two has it where every time you die, you get more and more hollowed, and your life gets cut. In Dark Souls Three, there's none of that. You just you're not on fire. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> that's sweet, but interesting. Um, mm. Not much time to go into this, so we'll hopefully be able to dance around the main concepts. But Joel ha- came up with this. We were talking, and Joel had this interesting idea about what he was describing as um, newbies or people who are unaccustomed to the, the wide world of board games getting a taste of it and, like, a dying man at sea grabbing onto anything <laughs> that uh, is close. And if you want to go into it a little briefly for about six minutes or so, or who knows? Yeah, I mean... I, uh, I don't want to say this is everybody right out there, but I would think that there's certain people out there that basically, like, if they knew, um, if they listened to this show and they knew what we knew, no, uh, if they knew about certain board games and about about sort of the medium tier to high tier as far as complexity goes, they would love them all and they would play them all. But there's, it's sort of, it's not as exposed as other maybe video games or even movies and TV and everything like that. So I'll just tell you stories. Basically, our friend Chris, um, we, I teach him Scythe. He move, he's living in Collingwood, so he's away with his parents. He buys Scythe. He buys every single expansion for Scythe. He buys the special box for Scythe. He buys the metal money. Oh, you, got, um, you need the money. Needs the money. <laughs> Which, I mean, I played the first time with the metal money at Harry's the other day. And I got to say, you it's a worthwhile purchase. But we're, we're pretty big fans of the game here. Um, but my point is, he he probably spent around two or $300 on a single game. Mm-hmm. And this being the only game that he has, aside from TC Deck Building, which is, of course, you've got to have that game. But <laughs> <laughs> Go on. But anyway, 
Um, same thing happens with my family. I go teach my f- family a game. They'll obsess over it. They'll buy every single expansion for it. It's code names, Spyfall, not as heavy games, but basically it seems like there's sort of this idea out there that um, people that would normally play games, as many games as we do, are just, they just, they're just lost <clears throat> out there and they just don't have the, um, they don't have the exposure that we do. And I feel like I think about, you know, our game collections and, you know, you might pick, go in there and pick something up, play it once and pick something else up and play it another time. And uh, we're spoiled. I don't know how to put it. Like we just have so much choice that all of a sudden we aren't actually all that interested in games that are actually really, really good. And then there's these other people that basically maybe if they knew there were more games out there, they wouldn't be constantly playing the same game. Harry, what do you think? I mean, I think it's related to something you brought up earlier in the show, which was the top games of each category. I mean, those are the games I think people get obsessed with, like Pandemic, Catan. Like, those are the games that, you know, people buy. I don't know what it is about them. They're really accessible. I think because they're so commonly owned, people might play them at a friend's house. Yeah. But, like, there are people who, you know, play Catan a ton, even though... Once you start playing more board games, you realize that in, in each of these categories, there are games that I think are strictly better. Basically the same game, but they've... Catan set the groundwork, and then other games looked at that and improved on it. Concordia is a perfect example. It's interesting, because you bring up the John Kay, who I interviewed a little while ago on the show, had a piece in The Atlantic recently talking about board games. and the, I think it was basically around the line of the, the invasion of the Euro and how it's uh, changing um, sort of how people interpret or view board games now. And I th- the ubiquitous one is is Catan. I think it's Catan is usually where most people... I, I can point to myself. It was that Ticket to Ride, Catan, and yep. I think there was a third one that I'm, I'm forgetting. I think it was Carcassonne, actually, where the, my sort of... Like, my eyes open. Gateway game. There's something else out there. And I still love Carcassonne. I still love Ticket to Ride you'll have to really trick me to play Catan. <laughs> like, every now and then I look at it and I go, oh, well, how about that? And then it's like a Vietnam veteran just like, hey, it ain't me. Yeah. It ain't me. Oh, yeah, now I know it. <laughs> helicopters. It's like, Catan. <laughs> Shit. Just like Apocalypse Now flashbacks. I got off on that. But it's... All I'm trying to say is that I think it's one of these things that when it's about how much of something do you like, like video games, music, books, etc., when you find something you like, do you go deeper into this? Do you start exploring what's inspired this, what's, what else is out there? Or are you content with, and this is not meant to be um, an elitist opinion at all, but it, it depends on the casual interest or uh, some beyond that, hobbyist interest. Because if you, let's say you play Pandemic once and you really, you enjoy it, but that's it. You see it as for what it is, just Pandemic. Or do you look and do, oh, neat, I like the, the idea of like treating these diseases in secret or moving around the maps. It's like, oh, maybe play Fear for Dracula. Maybe play Letters for Whitechapel. Maybe I'm hunting Jack the Ripper or something. And along the, that's what I'm just saying. There's definitely something there. I think that once you have started playing a lot of games in the same genre or a lot of games of the same type, you start to appreciate differences in their mechanics and mm-hmm. how it impacts gameplay. I mean, that said, though, yeah, we're definitely spoiled in that we have collections of games. Even just saying that we have just collections of games. Them, yeah. Is, yeah. Yeah, or even access to them. I mean, when it comes to access to games, like, Never been we, we might purchase a lot of games, um, but, you know, for a lot of people, they'll have to play games by going out to, like, board game cafes and mm-hmm. stuff like that, which are growing, which is uh, actually really amazing. 
It's kind of yeah. nice. I, so what does that make us then? Are we like uh, board game missionaries? <laughs> I, I don't put it – I would not – maybe not missionaries. I would put myself as the – uh, a cardinal. <laughs> you're out there trying. You're, you're out there teaching games to people that don't know games as much as you can. I think right? you spread the word more than anyone else, Joel. You oh. you have this way of pulling people. Maybe it's you have some sort of background about this somehow, <laughs> and you're really good at like getting people to like really latch on to some of these games. I think maybe it's because you have a better circle of friends. Most of my friends won't touch me as far as it a comes to games. Circle of game. better friends? Yeah. Uh, like when it comes to games, I can't get them to. It's a waste of time and breath. Whereas, I don't know what it's like for you, Harry. Like, if, Do you have friends that are like, oh, have you heard of this? Would you like to play it? It's good and they trust you? <laughs> so, honestly, it's funny because when, when it comes to getting people into games or people who haven't played games very often, yeah. like you kind of have to go with those standbys. Yeah. You know? like, there's a reason why people like Pandemic yeah. or people like Dominion to a certain extent because like they're easy to get into or they have like theme that people mm-hmm. can really enjoy or, mm-hmm. or they heard of them before you know it's tough to just like give people feast for odin like it's so hard to like it to, seems like, to be grok our like our to understand that game. yeah grok very nice yeah. just it, that does seem sorry to interrupt you Joel, like no. the to be the kind of the example of like throwing some of the deep end of, of games it's like oh you enjoyed uh you enjoyed pandemic how about this <laughs> what am i doing here yeah, exactly so even though i maybe don't enjoy playing some of those games as yeah. much I, you know i think there's a lot of value in those games I, and i still think those games are excellent because you know they're they're just like great games to have around and play with new people yeah and it, i was just gonna say that as as people that teach a lot of games it's so valuable to have a point of reference mm-hmm. so it's you, like this you like Kitan, eh? well you know Let's try Stone Age or something. The only else. exception might be in the world of trading card games in which you have Magic the Othering, which is the CCGs. perfect game and the original game. Can't get better than that. Yeah. Magic is just not... <laughs> magic Magic now is not magic five years I'm ago. I'm surprised I mean, you would say that too, Harry, because there's somebody who's played so much magic that I would think you'd be filled with... Like, you'd, I would have to like, cut you off. You have so many hard opinions about the current state of magic. It has always been and will ever be the perfect game. <laughs> Holy... There's nothing else to say. <laughs> He's... Folks, I've seen this look once before. <laughs> it was when I believed it. <laughs> Keep in mind that we've now talked about magic on this show, and now we never have to again. <laughs> I actually like magic, but that's that's saying that. So, I'm Jack. And I'm Joel. And I'm Harry, friend of the show. Friend of the show, Harry. Thank you for tuning in Android's Dungeon. Check us out on Twitter, 80 Radio CFRU, and also on Instagram. Just search Android Dungeon on Instagram. You can see what we've been playing. Maybe some cats if you're lucky, or unlucky if you're Joel. And uh, you can choose an email, too, at androiddungeonradio uh, at gmail.com. And we've got a website on the way, too, so keep your eyes open. You're listening to CFRU 93.3 FM. (coughs) What's the matter, Jenny? I don't have time for anything to be the matter. I've got three papers due next week and can't find the time to sleep, let alone to sit in the ER for three hours. 
Why don't you just head to the Midtown Urgent Care Clinic at the Chancellor's Way Medical Arts Center? What's that? It's the new medical center at 175 Chancellor's Way, right by the Chancellor's Way student residence. It's a walk-in clinic that can even treat medical conditions most walk-ins can't. And you don't even need a family doctor there to go. You can learn more at cwmac.ca. Wow, really? Yep. And they're even open weekday evenings and Saturdays, so you don't have to miss class. Amazing. Thanks. I'll head over to the Chancellor's Way Medical Arts Center right now. Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. on CFRU 93.3.